What's up, guys? Welcome to Trollier Than Thou podcast. My name is Matt Travis, and I am here with, as always... What's up? It's your main man, Dave, at Agent of Polemics on Twitter. That's true. If we ever have a split and you're just gone, and, and, and I'm still here because it's my channel, so people still show up. But, but um, <laughs> I'm just going to say, I'm still going to say, I'm here with, as always, and it's just going to be some other random person that nobody's ever known. And I'm just going <laughs> to well, pretend gonna like say. it just kept going. I'm just going to pretend like it, there was never any like change. I was gonna say, dude, we're we're ten seconds into the episode, and you're already insulting me. Come on, man. <laughs> Listen, dude, if you ever drop out, people will still show up because who really cares? But uh... <laughs> no, just oh, like... that was wrong. That was wrong. I repent. <laughs> Look. <laughs> but anyway, um, as always, for the introductions, you can find me at Matt Travis Media. That's the most important part. That well, Matt Travis Media on Twitter. See, we're going over this again. Matt Travis Media on Twitter and Facebook. Matt Travis Blog on Gab. It's probably going to stay that way. I think I might change my Twitter and Facebook if they allow me to Matt Travis Blog because I'm kind of liking the blog thing now. It's like a, a retro. So have you been doing that more often, or are you just like you literally just like the name? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no, I, I've no, I haven't, I haven't been blogging. <laughs> <laughs> I just like the name. I, I, think I got. Change- I'm going to change my name to Matt Travis uh, cassette tape, you know. <laughs> I might do that now. I might do that. Hey, now. we're we're off to a fantastic start, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what we were getting at, Matt Travis Media on Facebook and Twitter, Matt Travis Blog on Gab, and uh, Dave, you can find him at Agent of Polemics on everything, right? Or, I don't know, you might be something different on Gab, but yep, you don't, nope, you don't really utilize uh, that yet. That's my gab as well. Finally got it uh, made, so we should be good to go there. So agent of polemics across the board. Um, I'm Protestant agent on Parlor if that ever comes back. Doesn't seem like it's going to, mm-hmm. but I'll toss it out there just in case. Nope, nope, nope. They already, man, you can't go back to them. They already they already tossed your ID out to everybody, I bet. No, no. <laughs> Did I tell you I tried to get uh, – um... Anyway, well, for, for reference, people that don't know what I'm talking about, uh, Parler, right before they got shut down, they had some sort of security thing. And the word is that a bunch of people's information got out, but I'm not really 100% sure about that because they never commented on it or anything. So it could have been fake news. But um, but um, where was I going with this? Uh, you were saying you tried to get something set up prior to uh, before something it went do down, but I'm not sure it was. I already, already, <laughs> already forgot where I was. I just started saying these words like, 30 seconds ago dude you um, forgot about parlor just like parlor forgot about you oh i remember you know i remember, I remember. <laughs> yeah exactly but i tried to get verified on parlor and it didn't work and i was like ah oh, man and i was kind of bummed like, and then i find out about the security breach and i'm like yeah that kind of worked out well are you talking like the actual uh like influencer thing or whatever or like just the red verified account badge uh whatever it is whenever like you have to take a picture of your id yeah and, like do all that stuff I'm yeah i did sure that exactly so uh is. china definitely has all my information now which is fine <laughs> you know what could go wrong yeah yeah well, well that's what happens but um but anyway i guess we'll kind of introduce the topic today um today we're talking about um uh basically women in the church and uh yep, yep and how they have uh, bad math skills and weak arms. <laughs> Completely related <laughs> topics. 
Ma mainly that. That will be the primary focus. And then unrelated, we might touch on a little bit uh, all these controversies now that are popping up, right, about can women be pastors? Can women be elders? Can women uh, preach? Can women teach, you know, within the church? Um, so I'll tell you right now, the context of really where we're going to stay today is kind of the context, context, kind of the context of where the current battle is, which is uh, women preaching and teaching to men on the Lord's day, right? Um, there's obviously all kinds of other good things that we can get into. Um, other things like uh, serving as deacons, um, that, that obviously is a main one. Other things like uh, parachurch ministries, missionaries. I mean, all these things could be their own podcast, right? But, um, but I think right now where we're seeing the most kind of forceful pushback from what we would call, you know, the soft complementarians or the feminist complementarians or just the straight up egalitarians that are, to be honest, just lying about it. Um, that's kind of where the, the key issues are. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, I think you're on point there. And um, uh, kind of how all of this came about, um, obviously this was a hot topic like a year ago or so. Um, I can't remember what, what exactly went down. It probably had something to do with, you know what I think it was? I think what started it all, or at least what was a catalyst to make it a, a bigger issue, was uh, Beth Moore had tweeted out something, uh, but I guess it was about a year ago on Mother's Day. She had tweeted out that she was going to yes. preach on she Mother's Day preaching. and was kind of flaunting it. Yeah, and, 100%. And this was before uh, Russell Moore, not her husband, um, <laughs> you know, at the um, uh, the annual meeting was essentially saying, hey, look, if, if you don't believe if you're a Southern Baptist and you don't believe there's room for Beth Moore in the denomination, you're going to believe there's not room for a lot of us in the denomination. Right. Oh, to yeah, which right. to which to which you and I and a, a bunch of other people said do you promise <laughs> <laughs> you know, do you mean it kind of um but no so the the biggest thing though from this most recent week right is kind of the little uh tom askell dwight mckissick dust up uh and so for those that don't know tom askell and dwight mckissick uh actually have already debated this issue um they did it i think michael o'fallon was the host of it and i think they did it either at the founders conference or uh, founders hosted it. I, I'm not sure hundred percent which one. So they kind of have some history here. And um, are you cool with me just kind of, kind of jumping into what was initially said? Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. I'm, uh, I'm I was looking up something anyway. I wanted to make fun of Russell Moore some more. So I got some, something I'm looking up on him. Real well, quick. yeah. I mean, naturally. So, so, so yeah, go, cool. go ahead and so, jump so into I'll go, it. I'll go through this real quick. So Tom Askell, um, Posted on Twitter, this was January 26th, so uh, a few days ago mm -hmm. now. He says, Baptist Faith and Message uh, 2000. The office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by scripture. So, quote, North American uh, Mission Board, SBC Church Plant. My name is Jamie, and I'm one of the pastors here at One Name Church. And Jamie, of course, is a female and the wife of one of the other pastors there at the church. Then Tom uh, Askell says, all we're asking for is integrity. And then he adds like a bunch of people that are involved in the North American Mission Board, the SBC in general. You know what I mean? So that's kind of that's kind of what kicked this whole thing off. And then Dwight well, McKissick. I think sorry, I think it's ahead. important to note. He did say BFM 200. And um, so that, that well, made, that's the older one. Yeah, it is. <laughs> 
You know, whenever I saw that, the first thing I, the first thing that popped to mind was like, could you imagine if Twitter was around in the year two, in the two hundreds? Could you, Aries just punched, uh, or uh, what's his name? Um, Saint Nick just punched Aries in the face. You know that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, that would have been ridiculous. But anyway, so Dwight kind of retweet dunks on Tom for this tweet, uh, and he says Tom Askell is misrepresenting the BFM two K and trafficking in sexism and disrespect for local church autonomy. The SBC has never affirmed multiple lead pastors in the church. Jamie is not the lead pastor. Therefore, she and her church are not violating the BFM2K. Women are gifted too. So obviously, dude, there's several blatant misrepresentations in here. And I think they're actually worth going into because um, this is what we hear all the time, right? The two big things that we can kind of talk about is – if you oppose women as pastors, you're trafficking in sexism. Obviously, that's one of the most common things that you'll hear. Um, and then the second is women are gifted too, as if to imply that Tom is saying that they're not, right? Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't know if you want to take one of those, me take the other, if you want to take both and, and give me your thoughts on them. But uh, I'll kind of kick it to you for um, where you want to go with that. Well, I mean, I thought that the, what I thought was funny is uh, I think Tom Askell had the best response to the sexism part. He said, um, um, oh, there it goes. Sad to see. Well, wait, I saw read the whole thing. He said, I'm just reading and listening t- to plain English. I'm guessing he's referring to the, the BFM 2K. <laughs> um, I'm just reading and listening to plain English. Care to diagram the sentences written and spoken? No disrespect to women. The SBC has never affirmed women pastors, period. And then he says, sad to see you trafficking in feminism, trying to hide behind local church autonomy. Yeah. Exactly. And that's pretty much my response to the sexism claim. Because right. I see it the same as, you know, it's just like how the, how the, the meaning of racism, like we talked about last episode, that, that racism doesn't have a meaning anymore, essentially. And that anti-racism isn't really anti-racism. It's, it's you know, some some uh, critical theory thing that, that, that you know, you, sure. you get my point. It's the same thing with, uh, same thing with, with uh, sexism. Like, most of the time when somebody's saying sexism, they don't actually mean sexism. They just yeah. mean you disagree with me or you have an orthodox point of view on this particular biblical issue. Right. And pretty much any time I hear the terms racist, sexist, bigoted, homophobe, you know, all the things that are usually uh, thrown around, I pretty much just stop and immediately say, okay, I understand that you're upset that I'm not just being quiet and not agreeing with you. Because functionally, that really is what all of those terms mean. Right. But yeah. So obviously the charge of sexism is ridiculous, but it's something, something that you see all the time. Essentially, if you believe what Paul says in scripture, and we'll obviously get into that here in a little bit, you're trafficking mm-hmm. in sexism. And really and- the bigger thing is, man, when you take that functionally and you actually try to exegete the text in light of having that worldview, dude, it just destroys inherency. You know, it absolutely destroys it. Mm-hmm. You can't possibly utilize any kind of historical grammatical method to look through scripture and come to those kind of conclusions. Um, so obviously we'll, we'll get into, we'll get into that, but, um, the bigger thing is here just to kind of rewind it a little bit. Dwight's argument, uh, is that he's saying, you know, Tom's misrepresenting the BFM 2K. Jamie is not the lead pastor. So her church isn't violating the BFM 2K. So essentially, Hey, look, she's not the lead pastor. She still has her husband that's there. Okay. So she's under the authority of her husband. Therefore she can call herself a pastor. 
and not violate the Baptist faith and message, which first of all, that's not true because the Baptist faith and message says the office of pastor, right? It doesn't say the office of lead pastor. So already Dwight is kind of getting into the weeds or not getting into the weeds. He's getting into, uh, honestly, exactly what he's accusing Tom of doing, misrepresenting the Baptist faith and message. He's saying, no, 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 no. It's fine for you to have a, a church with 15 pastors and 14 of them are women as long as uh, there's a man as the lead pastor, right? But then we get into the even bigger issue. And uh, essentially what happens is then somebody posts a video from this church. It's called One Name Church, which is a new SBC plant. Again, that's what Tom was talking about. They post a video of these two quote unquote pastors, Jamie and her husband talking and underneath it on the graphic, it says lead pastors. And then it calls this woman, Jamie, a lead pastor. So essentially what we have now is the BFM says the office of pastor. Dwight says, no, that's not what it means. It means lead pastor. And then people are pointing out to him. Okay. Well, if that's what it means, fine. She calls herself a lead pastor. And then his response to this is crazy, but it's worth addressing. He says, in my biblical and Baptist understanding of scripture, there's only one lead pastor. Therefore, they're not in violation. The lead pastor is listed first. That church would be in violation if there was no male pastor listed first. You're looking at an Aquila Priscilla model. So, dude, literally, he's trying to say two things here. Yeah, I said she's not in violation because she didn't call herself a lead pastor. Okay, you said that she called herself a lead pastor, but her name's listed second. So she's not the actual lead pastor. So then the question becomes, dude, who are we going to believe? Are we going to believe this woman who's standing on stage telling her congregation and her potential uh, people that would come visit her church that she's a lead pastor? Are we going to believe her? Are we going to believe Dwight McKissick because he doesn't want her to call herself lead pastor. It's almost like that scene in Liar, Liar. <laughs> Remember when he says, I object. And the judge says, why? And, and the guy, Jim Carrey says, because it's devastating to my case. You know? <laughs> so that's almost what we're, we're getting at here. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you're pretty much on, yeah, on point on all that. And, and I guess to, to kind of, uh, I don't know if you're ready to do this, kind of round it back to, to the general topic of, of, you know, what, what is the proper role of women and women and men in the church? And, um, as far as, you know, roles such as pastor and elder and that sort of thing, um, go, um, I think one, I'd say the, the biggest thing in this, at least to start off, to start off with is the use of the word pastor and how, right. and, and we had talked about this before, and I believe you said, and I think I'm getting pretty close to quoting you that, that if pastor, uh, has any meaning at all if it includes women pastors then basically like it doesn't have a meaning and that it's so i think specifically what you're getting into is when uh so so obviously the heart of this passage is first timothy two and three uh where paul's instructing timothy on on a few things right but the key here comes from first timothy two when he's talking about how he wants women to receive instruction um and I would argue within the context of the local church here. Uh, and the, we can argue the context goes beyond that, but we can't argue the context is less than that. 
Um, yep. And I think that's that's a distinction we can get to here in a minute. But just to read the verses real quick. Um, so Paul, in talking to Timothy, right? First uh, Timothy, uh, uh, sorry, chapter two, starting at verse 11, says, a woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness, but I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. For it was Adam who was first created and then Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a wrongdoer. Okay. Now, what you're getting at and, and what we were talking about previously is if the word pastor means anything, it means someone who teaches and exercises authority. Yeah. So what you could have is you could have a Joel Osteen type sermon, right? Where he just stands up and talks about how you need to live your best life now for a minute. And maybe you could argue that in that scenario, he's not really teaching because he's not exegeting the text. And you could maybe argue that he's not really exercising authority because he's not calling the Christian to holiness and repentance. But you also can't argue that that's preaching. You know what I mean? That's yeah. not what scripture has in mind. It has in mind exhortation, teaching, etc. when it uh, speaks of uh, preaching and um, the pastor. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, I think that's kind of like uh, the reason why I bring that up. Because that's kind of like a core issue to, to kind of get out of the way. What do we mean when we say pastor, and 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 how has it been used? You know, over the past you know couple of years. Well, I mean, this conversation's been going on for a long time, but as it's heated up over the past couple of years, how is it being used? And and um, and and yeah, essentially, it doesn't have a meaning. If pastor, if pastor means only somebody that's leading others or discipling others, then it doesn't really have a meaning at all. Or, or someone who shares the gospel. Yeah, yeah. Here. Then it doesn't. Yeah, that's that's one you hear all the time. Right? Which would so so? Are you saying women can't share the gospel? <laughs> you know, no. Exactly. I'm saying what Paul said because I believe it. Why don't you? Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, so more specifically, though, when we talk about the office of pastor from the Baptist standpoint, from the SBC standpoint, and I'm not a super expert on Baptist ecclesiology, but I think I'm pretty well within my rights to say really what they're talking about here is they're talking about that elder that's going to be more extrapolated in 1 Timothy 3 when Paul actually gives the qualifications for elder. Now, what we see when we look into chapter three is we see that word elder has been translated multiple ways, multiple different translations, right? So we have elder, we have presbyter, we have overseer, we have bishop, I think, uh, I believe is what the King James calls it, um, probably more for political reasons than for um, exegetical reasons. But regardless, that's really what we're talking about when we're talking about a pastor, yeah. We're talking about somebody who fulfills those roles. But what we're seeing right now in the SBC and even to some other, uh, sorry, to some extent in the PCA uh, and other conservative denominations, we're seeing this word pastor, it's kind of getting ripped apart and it's getting pulled away from that text where it no longer means overseer or elder or bishop. Now you can have a pastor and that pastor is maybe, you know, somebody who, uh, to use the Beth Moore example, once a year on Mother's Day stands up and preaches to the uh, entirety of the congregation, teaching and exercising authority over men. But she's not a pastor per se, because she's not given that title of pastor. But what I really want to focus on is, dude, the function is more important than the yeah. title. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, which is why I kind of want to get that out of the way because 
there's a lot of confusion that that'll that'll come up with with that sort of thing if you're not like this is this is what we're talking about when we're talking about a pastor is we're talking about actually the function that is equivalent to an elder a bishop a presbyter right but um but yeah so i mean i guess from there kind of disappointed i couldn't find my russell moore thing i was i was really nah. excited about this have you did you That's ever hear right. about they're kind of getting off topic here but I'm, I'm going for it anyway uh whenever russell moore had like it was in somewhere around like 2006 i think and um and he went like super hard on uh on uh complementarianism and the, and this is or, or for complementarianism to the point that i think he was using the word patriarchy to describe it i have seen this tweet which is yes. fantastic and i and i can't i can't remember where it was from um yeah it may not have even been stuff. a tweet but i do remember this getting passed around the internet cuz the you know the the constant refrain was like you know, I really like 2006 Russell Moore. Kind of yeah. was, was kind of the uh, the approach people were taking. Yeah, and the reason why I kind of bring it up is, and why I wanted to bring it up is because it's relevant to the conversation because it shows that that it shows who's changed. Like exactly. this is everyone agreed on this five years ago. Well, you know, everybody that everybody that was thought to be orthodox agreed on this five years ago. And then it's only been in the last five years I mean, or so dude, that it's really dude, changed dramatically. There might dude, have been some squish, but I mean, literally six or seven years old, like Jory Micah agreed with it. You know, I mean, yeah. the people that are the people that are crazy out there that that have gone off the deep end on on every other topic as well. You know, so if you don't know who Jory Micah is, I recommend not looking her up uh, for those that are listening. But the point is, absolutely there was pretty much universal slash unanimous agreement among mm-hmm. um, conservative evangelicals. Now there were some areas that people would have com- these conversations about. So like, you know, can women serve as deacons? Can women be deaconesses? That was a conversation that people would have or like uh, eternal subordination issues, which is not something we'll get into in this podcast. Um, Cause again, it's a, it's a complex topic that doesn't just deal with this issue. Right. So those conversations were had, but everyone was universally on board. That, no, of, of course a woman can't teach or exercise authority over a man on the Lord's Day in church. You know? yeah. And I would argue even that is too specific and too, too narrow of a focus for what Scripture says. But if we can't even agree on that, why are we even talking about missions boards and, all, and those other kind of topics? You know? mm-hmm. let's, let's start with the basics and kind of go from there. And to your point, man, I think... Another thing that it brings up is, yes, it's true. It shows that they're the ones that changed, not the rest of us. Mm-hmm. But it also kind of points to, I would suggest, why they changed. Okay? Because these dudes weren't finishing up their PhDs at this point. These guys had been out of seminary for years and had been, you know, preaching and in the church and, and all this kind of stuff for, yeah. for years and years and years. What did happen? What happened was culture changed. Yep. Third wave feminism became more popular. All of these things that now we started to kind of rethink at the exact same time that we're starting to rethink. Maybe racism isn't actually thinking someone's inferior because of their race. Maybe it's being a capitalist or maybe homosexuality is not actually, um, you know, sexual sin. Maybe it's a uh, lifestyle that someone can can live. But as long as they don't engage in um, 
is, is fine and it's not sin. I didn't explain that well, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, it's a desire that somebody can have and the desire is not sinful. It's only sinful if you engage in it, that sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah, so you can be a, a gay Christian and you can label yourself that way, even though you wouldn't label yourself as an adulterous, adulterous Christian or, or exactly. you know, whatever other category you want to put there. Um, yeah, you, you can have it as part of your identity, um, essentially. But, exactly, and that's the big thing. And, and so the broader point being, you can't tell me that these people's hermeneutic and exegetical methodology just happened to change on the three issues that got hot button <laughs> in culture at the exact same time. Yeah. After they have many of them, not, I mean, obviously Beth Moore doesn't, but after a lot of these guys have PhDs in theology from conservative seminaries and have been preaching and teaching for 10, 15 years, some of them, you know, you're just not going to convince me of that. Um, and, and uh, to that point, it's kind of, it's kind of all talk about how, uh, after looking into the little bit that I have into the conservative resurgence, although admittedly I don't know a ton about it, um, just because it's not something I've researched a lot. Um, um, back then, there wasn't really a risk to to making the stand. There wasn't in your smaller circles, like you know, you might lose some friends in the church, which is significant. I'm not trying to downplay this, but it's not like you wouldn't be able to get, it's not like you were looking at five years down the line. Am I going to be able to get a job if I take this position? Right. Like, am I going to be able to feed my family? And that's where we are now. So it, it is weird. Like you said, Hmm. All these changes came exactly at the point in time, whenever now everybody's going, Hmm. If I take this position, is this going to cost me the ability to feed my family? Exactly. And so I think another, another point to that real quick, before I kind of get back to, or before we kind of get back to first Timothy, right. Is um, I think, and this is just my opinion. I haven't read this anywhere or whatever. Um, so you may, you may totally disagree with it. First time I'm bringing it up right now uh, for the listeners um, to Matt. So I think that one place that conservatives have really gone wrong. In the wrong. Past, <laughs> wrong. One place wrong. That, that we, you know, conservatives have really gone wrong in the past is what we've done is we have um, labeled liberalism specifically theological liberalism based upon the conclusion somebody draws rather than based upon the hermeneutic they use to mm. get there. You know what I mean? So for example, I can look at, um, for, I, I can look at what, what Dwight McKissick is saying here, you know, and I could say for him to get to this conclusion that it's perfectly fine for a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man on the Lord's day, as long as she doesn't call herself lead pastor. For him to use that hermeneutic to get to that point, you have to not be able to consistently apply that anywhere else in scripture. So this isn't original with me, but you've probably heard James White say it all the time. Using that hermeneutic, there's no way you could get to justification by faith alone. There's no way you could get to the Trinity. Um, There's no way you could get to key core fundamental doctrines. But if I asked, uh, Dwight McKissick, hey, do you affirm the Trinity? Do you affirm justification by faith alone? He would say, of course I do. And then a lot of people would say, all right, well, then you're not a liberal. Okay. So sure, he's not a liberal in his conclusion, but if he applied this hermeneutic where, yeah, Paul says this, but he actually means literally the exact opposite of mm-hmm. what he's saying, you could never arrive at that. So I think, you know, if I was king for a day, That'd be one thing that I would uh, encourage the conservatives that are listening to really think a little bit more about on is people can come to right conclusions for inconsistent reasons. And people can come to wrong, uh, sorry, right conclusions based off of tradition. You know what I mean? 
Um, and that's a big thing that we see in the PCA right now. And, and I'll kind of talk about that a little bit more in a minute. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And in, in kind of along those same lines, not exactly the same, but it's the same kind of understanding of, of, of orthodoxy is that, is that you can, you can, there are certain positions that you can hold um, um, not even just as far as like your hermeneutics go, but just in how, how you reason your way to believing things or how you don't use reason to come to certain conclusions. There are certain yeah. positions that you can hold based off of some a biblical text that you've read um, or, or at least admit that exist that show that you don't actually believe some other thing that seems unrelated. Right. And that's kind of that's kind of what you're uh, kind of hits on the, uh, the point of, of what you're talking about with hermeneutics, too. But more specifically, what I'm thinking about is and we've talked about this before is on this specific issue of women pastors. If you can read First Timothy two and and three and come to the conclusion that women can be pastors. Uh, I was having a I was having a back and forth with Chris Bolt like a year ago on this. Um, um, but if, if you can believe that like Beth Moore does, then I don't believe that someone like Beth Moore believes in inerrancy. And now there is a difference. I will make a distinction between your lay person and somebody like Beth Morris, who's been in ministry for 50 years. Yes. And if someone who's 50 been years studying and teaching the text. And you come to the conclusion that that particular text doesn't say exactly what it says. I don't believe that you believe in inerrancy. It's, and, you may and say you do, that, but, but, but someone who's been corrected on it multiple times yeah. and engaged on it multiple times, you know, um, but yeah, I, I totally, totally, totally agree. So, all right, let me, let's bring it back a little bit. So we've kind of talked a little bit about, um, first Timothy chapter two and how, um, you know, Paul tells Timothy, he doesn't permit women to teach or exercise authority over men. Um, I would argue at a minimum that should be applied to the context of the church at a minimum. So again, we can argue that it means more, but we shouldn't argue that it means less. And then again, if we just allow literally one verse of context, when um, we get into first Timothy chapter three, which obviously the chapter and verse divisions are later editions. They weren't in the original manuscripts, right? So Paul's literally just continuing to talk. You could argue it's a different thought, but it's definitely a related thought. Then he goes into the qualifications of, um, sorry, the qualifications for elders specifically. So do you want to go through, um, you know, take maybe 10, 15 minutes to go through some of the, on a, on a very cursory level, some of the main arguments that we hear a lot? Because I think that's yeah. probably what would, it, what would help the listeners. And, and even if they, they can't, they don't feel confident to go do a two hour debate on it after this, they'll at least kind of know what to expect and where to look. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so let's see. We could probably start with, uh, we already kind of dealt with definition of pastor. Um, yeah, and so, so, so while you're choosing that, so again, let's, let's, just... I mean, first of all, I think the most common objection um, that is most convincing, because I will say before I was completely decided on this issue, um, um, this was kind of the thing that had me questioning the most until I started reading a little bit more um, into these texts um, would be the examples of Deborah and Phoebe and Priscilla mm -hmm. and, and those sorts yeah. of things where it looks like you have, and you do have women who are in leadership positions. And so people would argue that because they are in these leadership positions, that means that they're also allowed to be leader in leadership positions in the church and more specifically the role of pastor and, and or elder. And, um, 
I don't know. We can kind of break these down one by one. Um, but I think you had a pretty good assessment of just overall why these examples um, um, don't make a good case. So do you want to kind of hit on the overall and then maybe we could get into more specifics? Yeah, sure. Um, so a big, exactly like you said, probably the most common thing that you'll hear if, if you just, if you just at some egalitarian or some feminist complementarian on Twitter and say, Hey, women can't be pastors, you know, uh, the most common thing you're going to hear is exactly that. You're going to get back a litany of people who are never called pastors, people who are never called elders, mm -hmm. overseers, bishops, um, presbyters, etc. Um, you're going to get a litany of them back um, as examples. So they're going to say, well, what about Deborah? What about Phoebe? What about Priscilla? What about uh, Priscilla? You know, and they'll just kind of list off a lot of, uh, of different women who, as you said, have been in leadership positions. So the first thing is the argument is not that women aren't important, you know, and I think kind of going back to McKissick's tweet for a second, I think there's a lot of kind of emotion that's behind that, where yeah. when you say a woman can't do something that a man can do in the United States of America, in like the lift over a 10 pound dumbbell. Exactly. You know, when you say something radical like that, uh, or beat a biological man in a, in a uh, track meet, you know, when you say something like that, people are hardwired to immediately respond emotionally and immediately go to uh, sexism. And I think what they're doing here in this response is, I think a lot of them genuinely hear us saying, no, uh, women aren't important. Women can't be in leadership in any capacity, you know. Um, now, there is a conversation to be had about what those capacities should be and what the limitations on them should be. But when I get these responses from people and I say, hey, you know, Paul says uh, that women are not to teach or exercise authority over man. And at a bare minimum, the context of where that exists is in the truth. OK, because uh, that is the immediate context. When they respond to me with, OK, but here's 10 examples of women who did something else, but not what you're saying they can't do, <laughs> that proves that they can do what Paul says they can't do. You almost just have to dismiss that argument as, no, I'm not saying that women aren't important. I'm not saying women aren't equal in value and worth to uh, men in God's eyes. Again, we're just talking about there are different roles, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, that kind of kind of takes care of it. But um, you can see some examples of this whenever you start reading these. Like Deborah, for instance, um, it wasn't the best of situations under which she was ruling. It wasn't the right. ideal circumstances. And that's fairly clear from the text. And some people interpret it differently. Some people interpret it as her, you know, saying that every time that a woman is in a position that's similar to hers, and that means that God is judging over the nation. Some people don't. But at the very least, it wasn't ideal circumstances. Um, so it's kind of a bad example. And then whenever you get into the other one that I'm pretty familiar with is uh, Priscilla. Priscilla was not a pastor. She was not a pastor. She was not, she was not preaching in, in, in the same way that a pastor and elder um, gets up on Sunday morning during worship service and preaches. She was sharing the gospel. Uh, she, she was helping to lead others, but it's just, it's, it wasn't in any way similar. Um, there yeah. is a distinction. It's like, it's like we said, we look at these, uh, uh, you know, you, you get the minimums and the minimum in this case is what we're talking about. And that's, you can't be a pastor. 
at a church. You can't have authority over men. And it, it's a real hard case to argue that's what was going on with Priscilla. But um, um, I don't know if you want to get into these other ones or if it's even if it's even worth it to hit on any of these. No, 100%. So, dude, kind of the thing I think I want to hit on a little bit now is, so what we've said seems super obvious and super straightforward from the text, and it seems like it's a good example. And it, it's mm-hmm. one thing to just say, um, yes, people's... Um, have allowed their ideologies, which have been influenced by the world, to force them to read meaning out of and into the text as required. And I do think that's 100% the case. Uh, Mm -hmm. But one that I've seen a lot going on right now, especially in the SBC, is we have this weird dynamic going on where what we'll try to do is we'll try to argue that 1 Timothy chapter chapter 2 and chapter 3 are separate from each other but then they'll argue that it's fine for women to teach based on mutually exclusive ideas right so for example if i say to you um women are not uh to be pastors in the church generally the first place that people are going to go is they're going to go to first timothy chapter three and they're going to say well there's nothing wrong with a woman teaching Uh, a man on the Lord's day, as long as she doesn't have the title of elder overseer, bishop, et cetera. In other words, they might argue um, that elder as a title, and I'll just use elder from now on elder as a title means more than teaching and preaching on the Lord's day. So, and to that point, they're right there. That obviously does mean, it obviously does mean more than that, you know, um, I would argue it doesn't mean less than that, uh, yeah. which is, again is is kind of what we're getting at here. So then, you know, to that to that point, the response from us would be, okay, um, so you're saying that they don't have the title of elder or overseer or bishop or, or presbyter, you know. Um, I would argue that the function of that office is a lot more important than the title of that office. So if you are functioning in the exact same way at the exact same time, that an elder is functioning, it's not enough to just say, well, Paul says that uh, elders have to be men. So we'll just say, you know what? You're not an elder, but you're expected and allowed to do absolutely everything that an elder does. Again, the intention here is for these offices to exist. The intention here is for them to exist for a reason, right? So that's, that's kind of the first thing I would say. But then the next thing that's interesting to get into is... On, in First Timothy two, let's say that they that they say that and and okay yes the function is more important than the title we get that but also again Paul has just said I do not permit the woman to teach or to exercise authority over the man and the the context there is being in the in the local church then they'll pivot here and they'll say a couple things but the most common one that you've heard is well that was just specific for that time. It was specific for Timothy's specific church where a few women were being, uh, you know, corrupted by false teaching and were spreading that out to uh, the rest of the congregation. I'm sure that's an argument. Which is why the next line is, for Adam has nothing to do with anything I'm talking about. And then exactly. you go on. Exactly. <laughs> and, and that's, so that's the response, right? But I just, I want to read you this snippet. 
um, from a book. So this is, mm-hmm. I believe it's an OPC uh, woman, uh, but I know it's a, a Presbyterian woman. Her You're not Rachel supposed to Green. tell people it's from a book, though. You're just supposed to write it off as your own idea. Well, no, no, no. It's, uh, it's bad. Oh, it's bad. Oh, okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to, <laughs> oh, okay. I, I, I know what you're going to read now. <laughs> but yeah, no, the, uh, so, so this is kind of the argumentation that you get here, right? So okay. All right. The, whole, the whole context is uh, exactly what we were just talking about. Um, and, and the argument is, so some would argue that Eve was deceived. All women like Eve, therefore, are more easily deceived than men are. But if that's Paul's point in 1 Timothy 2, men can't be trusted either. After all, if the point is that Adam wasn't deceived, then he sinned willfully. If all women are like Eve, then all men are prone to outright rebellion like Adam. That's not a strong argument for male leadership. To which the response is, you're a Calvinist, right? Yes, all people are prone to outright rebellion apart from God. That That is a category of sin that we recognize as Calvinists. You know what I mean? So for her to say, well, we could just throw it away because if that if it meant all women are more prone to being deceived than all men are, pri- are uh, more prone to outright rebellion. To which, of course, that's complete eyes of Jesus. The text doesn't imply that. That's, that's just her conclusion that she's trying to draw. But then she goes on and uh, this is how she ends it. She ends, the Bible doesn't teach that men are more easily deceived than men. It's important that all believers, both male and female, are taught good doctrine, so none of us will be susceptible to deception. We're all encouraged to grow in maturity and faith so that we won't be tossed here and there by waves and carried by every wind of doctrine. So when you read that as a response to what Paul is saying, when he gives his explanation of bringing it all the way back to the garden and talking about Eve and then Mm -hmm. saying the woman as if to extrapolate that out from Eve. What's kind of your take on that, dude? Because to me, it sounds like she's saying Paul just didn't have a point. Yeah, that's a, that's a, I didn't really have a take on it, but that sounds exactly it. It sounds like she's just saying this is a completely meaningless verse that should have never been in there because it doesn't do anything to add anything and it doesn't take any, uh, take away anything. It just is, it just exists. Um, and you know, yeah, because if it doesn't have a meaning, like the the only thing she could be saying there is that so so for Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not the one deceived; it was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. Like I don't know, I'm I'm trying to like wrap my head around how she's getting to that Adam was it, more prone to rebellion too. I don't know. I, okay. Well, go so ahead. I think I think where she's trying to go with it, and again, so again, when the argument is, "Hey, Paul didn't have a point," it kind of makes it hard to understand exactly what is being said, right? But I think what she's getting at is, well, if you're going to say that women are more easily deceived than Adam is here, then that means Adam wasn't tricked; he just wanted to disobey God, and and he just did it on his own. To to which the question is, okay, maybe that's the case. Uh, you know, maybe you could make that argument. But that's not the argument that Paul is making here. Oh, yeah. And you're literally using this argument that you're isogeting into the text to say, therefore, that's not what Paul actually means when he's addressing what he's addressing here. You know what I mean? And even if, if he is saying this, so, so if Paul is saying this, the problem, the problem with that is, is that the only reason 
why Paul would bring it up in this manner for, for Adam was first and Eve and Adam was not deceived, not the one, not one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. The only reason why he would bring that up is because he's trying to make an emphasis that's specific to the local body, right? Can, if you're, if you're considering what she's saying is true, right? That what mm-hmm. this, what this says is that women are more likely to be deceived and men are more likely to rebel generally, right? Sure. If that, that's true, right? If that's how she's reading this, you would still have to read this as Adam saying that for whatever reason, the deception yeah, is more important in this context. In this context. Exactly. Exactly. Because he doesn't phrase, the sentence is not phrased in a way where Adam could be referring to, by the way, I'm saying men should be quiet because they're more rebellious or whatever, right? Yeah. There's no possible way you could read that into it. So I just don't know. <laughs> no, I agree. Well, it reminds me of the argument that you often hear next. So, you know, verse 14 says it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a wrongdoer. And then verse, t- verse 15 says, but women will be preserved through childbirth if they continue in love, faith, sanctity, uh, sorry, and sanctity with moderation. And then, as you know, some translations like the King James specifically, I believe, used saved through childbirth there. Mm-hmm. And, dude, you'll literally hear people say, well, that doesn't make sense. I mean, everyone knows that women aren't justified through childbirth. So if we can't explain that, I guess we can't explain the previous verse either. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it's yeah. it's almost like we're not even going to attempt it. And obviously, you know, I think the better translation is preserved and it's not talking, it's obviously not talking about justification, you know, yeah. but, um, but, but that's the point. So, so my point kind of rambled there, but my point is, people are literally just looking for any reason to not believe this. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's a fairly, fairly weak position that those particular verses are, are, uh, (laughs) are anything close to what she described in there. So uh, have you heard the, the husband of one wife, one woman, man, Greek idiom argument? Oh, I don't think I have. Yeah. So this one has risen to, to prominence, if you will, among some of the more quote unquote conservative egalitarians. Um, not that the, <laughs> conservative not, that, yeah, not that that means anything, but, but what I'm dude, honestly, what I mean by that is the people that aren't just like universalists pro LGB, every, every letter, you know, whatever. Uh, so anyway, this is one uh, that's, that's kind of rising to prominence a little bit in the last five years or so, but it's talking about in, um, Chapter three, where Paul says, if a man aspires to this office, it's a fine work. He must be the husband of one wife. And if you spend any time listening to like John MacArthur, he'll say that, you know, he believes the better translation of, of that Greek is a one woman man, as in, you know, only being essentially in love with, uh, supportive of, emotionally attached to, um, etc one woman so so in other words essentially it's not a statement of polygamy or whatever which you know that's that's a whole other topic that's beyond the scope of this discussion but anyway what's risen to prominence lately is this idea that that term that greek term that's used for husband of one wife or one woman man was a term that's found in headstones um in that day and it's actually a greek idiom that just means like um, essentially just married to one person, like, like a gender neutral yeah. version of that. 
you know what I mean? A um, couple problems with this, of course. One, that's nowhere in scripture. Two, there's pretty bad evidence that that's even a thing. Three, Paul never addresses it. We have no reason to believe that Paul would have even been familiar with that context if it was the case. Um, there's not a lot of early, uh, well, to my knowledge, there's not any Christian attestation to that position. It's just something that maybe did or didn't exist, you know, in that day. But but it's not like early church fights. It's not like, um, you know, Polycarp was walking around teaching that, that we have any evidence of. So that's just kind of one more thing. But to, but to bring it all together, I just wanted to bring that up to kind of make the point that like, dude, really what they're saying is, is they're saying uh, chapter two and chapter three are completely to be severed from each other. They're unrelated. They're referring to two different contexts. When Paul says he doesn't permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over man, he actually means in this one instance, I don't, I uh, don't allow that. When he, instead of giving an example, takes that all the way back to the Garden of Eden, as opposed to giving an example, because you would think he would if his reasoning was, you know, because Betsy over there keeps teaching heresy, you'd think he would have said that. It's not like (laughs) Paul doesn't call out plenty of people in the New Testament, right? But no, he takes it all the way back to the Garden. Then we have to believe that one woman man actually believes a Greek idiom. We have to believe that it's fine to serve as the function of an elder or overseer without having a title. So literally, dude, it's not like we have to twist one verse. Mm-hmm. We have to twist six or seven verses to mean what seems to be the exact opposite of what they're saying. And when we do it, we do it in conflict with some of the other verses that we have to twist. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's just, uh, that's, that's kind of like the summary that I, that I wanted well, to know, leave with there. And, you know, yeah, yeah, that's good. And, and to that last kind of a uh, general point that you were making about the, you know, one woman, man, um, gender neutral thing. Um, it reminds me of the hermeneutics that people will use whenever they're talking about passages that condemn homosexuality and they'll say sure. things like that, that uh, what was really going on is that there was rape and, and, you know, you know yeah. Having, Old priests were raping young boys and taking yeah. advantage of them. And yeah, all that sort of thing. Yeah. Or yeah, it, was, do that sort or of it was, uh, yeah. Pagan sex ceremonies or blah, 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 blah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. And um, when somebody, and, this kind of comes back to my point about inerrancy. Like whenever somebody makes those comments, I just, I just don't think they believe in inerrancy because, 100%. because why would I? Because it's, you know, there's just no reason that, that, that you could come to that conclusion after reading all those texts. It's kind of along the same lines of what you were just saying. There's all these different uh, uh, verses and all this different context that has to be explained away that seems pretty plain. If you just read it, yeah. seems pretty plain. If you understood just, uh, you know, just basic, historical context of it seems pretty plain and uh you have yeah. to explain away all of that it's not just like yeah, one it, verse needs to be twisted in order to say that women can't be pastors and you still have the uh the problem if you will of the old testament too you know because whatever you know pagan temple practices that may have been taking place in the first century were not what was being written about by moses you know what i mean so uh you still you still have those issues and then you know my favorite or not my favorite but one of the things that I'll always ask when somebody says, well, what about Deborah? You know, the Bible says she was an Old Testament prophet. I'll say, can you give me one example of an Old Testament female priest? Because wouldn't yeah. that be the more direct parallel to yeah. elder in the church, the priest in the temple? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, would, you would think that would be the case. Prophets still exist. Those who are there to, and obviously there's more to the, the role of priest in the Old Testament than there is to elder in the New Testament. But that was a concept there. 
So I would think, if anything, you would be wanting to look for a female priest in the Old Testament, which unfortunately has the uh, difficult problem of not existing for them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but do you have anything else on that? Or uh, I think we're pretty much done with that topic. Do you think that horse has been sufficiently beaten? I think so. I think we <laughs> survived. We uh, solved survived. Where did survived come from? I think we solved. We did survive. All, so we did survive too, but but we solved all the uh, all the problems now. This should yeah. be it. We're going to send this this uh, episode to Beth Moore and to McKissick and to a few other people. Although I guess there. technically McKissick agrees with us. Well, I mean, obviously, obviously, <laughs> and that that's the thing. Like that's kind of why, and I know you're on the same page, but. I think it's useful for us to focus on kind of the things we did focus on, which are the the arguments that are generally being made by the Beth Moores, Russell Moores, Dwight McKissicks, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, and it's not even necessarily fair to lump all of them exactly together, but you get my point. Obviously, man, you know, egalitarians that are out there that are making arguments like um, Paul's important, but Jesus's words are more important. <laughs> and I'm not, you know, like you don't even really need to deal with that. Because yeah. that's not what we're seeing in the church, you know, right now in the in the conservative yeah. church. Um, so hopefully that's a good a good start, and people can kind of go from there and at least be sort of familiar with what they can expect to hear and can do their research on their own from that point forward. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, and uh, um, oh yeah, that's pretty much it. But we did have one other uh, topic today. <laughs> Dude, this is uh, this is, this we is important. We couldn't pass this up. You know what's something that we missed that we uh, we well we've talked about this already. Um, I don't know why I'm bringing it up like I haven't I haven't told you about it already. Uh, oh, the, I, I uh, thought it was I thought it was performative for the crowd. You know. Well, yeah, I, I guess that's, <laughs> <laughs> let's rewind. Let's just keep so, it. So what? So what are we going to talk about today, Matt? Like what I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what's um. All right, where was I going with this? Oh yeah, yeah, what we missed. So You're going uh, last to week, thing, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so if you listen to last week's episode, you saw that we we just went through Twitter. We went a whole bunch of tweets. All right, this is how crazy. I mean, we mentioned that we had like twenty five screenshots of stuff. Even even with the twenty five screenshots that we had before we started the episode, but didn't actually hit on all of them because it would be impossible. Um, even in that, this is how crazy some of the stuff we has is that this didn't make the cut. Okay, this is from the BD on Yabuli. He says, somebody Ron sent Burns. him a thing. Um, if you have trouble pronouncing that, uh, it's pronounced Ron Burns. Ron Burns, yes, yes. Burns is spelt A-N-Y-A-B-W-I-L-E <laughs> for some reason, but it's definitely Burns. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so, so Thabiti says, in response to a guy that had tweeted, at least, at least evil orange man bad won't be defiling the White House anymore, right, Thabiti? And, and of course, this guy was sharing a, a uh, article from uh, NBC Philadelphia in which it showed that uh, President Biden had just elected a, a, the Pennsylvania health secretary to be his assistant secretary of health, um, whatever that is. It. Uh, but anyway, um, so the media responds to it. And let's see. Let's see. Man foments insurrection that includes white Christian nationalist is impeached by man. He means no, Trump. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but <true. laughs> is impeached a second time refuses to attend inauguration to show a peaceful transition power and conspiracy based protest and election plan across the country 
that this is your statement. So essentially he's saying orange man bad in response to this guy. Yeah. But orange man. Yes. Bad. Yes. My uh, statement was actual bad things are worse than orange man bad. That is exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, but anyway, so he goes on and here goes the interesting part. The media says, talking about the transgender health secretary. I hold a traditional understanding of biblical sexual ethics. And this kind of goes back to, uh, was it you? Tim Dukeman posted something the other day where he said that, uh, uh, I'm going to pull it up because it was literally like yesterday. So we're going to do a, a live thing here. We need um, to have that nerd on while you're pulling it up. Hey, Tim, if you can hear Yeah, me, I know, right? Come on. <laughs> we're, we're working on it here. We're working on it. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, oh, 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 there he goes. Found him. All right. Uh, why is it taking so long? There he goes. Okay. I thought it wasn't going to work for a second there. While, while it's loading, I'll just say, you know, he opens with, I hold a traditional biblical uh, sexual ethic. Um, my response to that is maybe for another five years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know. Because exactly. uh, you weren't you weren't a Marxist five years ago either. So we'll see. Remember when he wrote that article? Um, um, again, guys, we're talking about the BD still. Um, remember when he wrote that article? Um, there is no social justice movement in evangel- yeah. evangelicalism. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, oh, man, it's, it's just, it's just it. preaching the gospel, all right? That's all it is. And of course, everyone's rightfully like, Tabidi, no offense, bro, but you're like, two years behind they, they stopped using that argument like two years ago there he goes yeah yeah exactly you uh, you missed it's just the gospel they they've now passed no one's using crt to crt is useful to maybe we should listen to crt that's the one we're <laughs> at now oh man it's crazy times but uh tim duke man now i don't even remember why i brought this up but but tim duke says uh you can tell that someone hasn't thought very hard when they defend a heretic oh i remember why i brought it up he says, you can tell that someone hasn't thought very hard when they defend a heretic by pointing to the orthodox thing he affirms. Do people really not understand that virtually every major heretic in Christian history affirmed 90% of orthodox doctrine and still went to hell? So yep. that's what yeah, I thought of. Extreme, whenever... It's an extremely good point. Yeah, yeah it really yeah. is. That's what I thought well, of whenever Thabiti says, I hold a traditional understanding of b- biblical sexual ethics. And I'm like... It, it, we got a big butt coming though we got a big yeah, butt exactly it's like i'm totally orthodox but i'm about to say this thing that points to the fact that i may not be as orthodox as you think i am well it's that it's the old spurgeon quote which i'm gonna butcher it because i don't have it in front of me but um i'm sure you've heard it and spurgeon said something along the lines of you know heresy isn't that or, or discernment isn't the difference between able to tell uh what's true from what's abject ridiculous nonsense you know discernment is being able to tell the difference between what's true and what's almost true you know what i mean exactly and we're about to get into the abject ridiculous nonsense of that yeah not that (laughs) so he says i hold to a traditional understanding of biblical sexual ethics so i don't support transgender lifestyle as a god-pleasing lifestyle i like how he uses god-pleasing too rather Mm -hmm. than saying he says, so I don't Sinful. support transgender lifestyles and God pleasing rather than saying, so I think the transgender lifestyle is utterly degenerate. And <laughs> like, yeah, they use, they use like this, this milk toast nuanced language. Um, yes. what, what's the other one they do? Uh, human flourishing and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, Human flourishing is big. 
Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so he goes on. He says, "AKA socialism." <laughs> yeah. He says. Uh, so then he goes on. And he says, "But it's a big but, but." That doesn't mean this person isn't qualified to be a doctor or one of the nation's wait. What was uh, that chief this, doctor? This person, yeah, yeah this person. Yeah. I want to go back in his tweets and see if he's ever referred to a man as this person I, in a context. I just like don't. This. I don't know if he means him or her or if he's legitimately confused. You know, no man, it gets it gets better. Though. <laughs> I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you. Go ahead. <laughs> Good. There's there, there's so much packed into this like 50 words that it's almost impossible not to interrupt. But he says, but that doesn't mean this person isn't qualified to be a doctor or one of the nation's chief doctors. It means that they need the gospel. And then he goes on hmm. to say, uh, well, the next tweet isn't that relevant. Um, I found this interesting for, first of all, the reason that you pointed out, I, I forget somebody else pointed that out too. Maybe it was you on Twitter. I don't know. I saw somebody, sure. somebody said something about that, but for that reason. And then also, um, whoa, where'd I go? And then also because it, it there's two things here, right? That yeah, he must be doing one of the two or both of them. Either he's pretending as if this person, right? This tranny was chosen because of his, uh, his qualifications rather than because he cut his balls off which I'm going to mm-hmm. go with the latter. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was chosen for the latter. Um, so he's As pretending in, I, I would that bet about $10,000 on it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's pretending either that and, or like that and, or he's pretending that um, somebody who doesn't understand simple biological realities um, yeah. is a competent X of health or whatever, whatever his title yeah. is. Which it makes me wonder, and someone should ask him this. Um, I wonder if he thinks Rick Perry was uh, qualified to be the director of the Department of Energy. Because yeah. I imagine he would probably say, no, he, he denies basic bio- or not biology. He denies basic climate science. There's no way yeah. he's qualified to hold that position. I believe that was the argument. Because didn't, didn't he, he got elected to some sort of position right there, right? Well, Rick Perry was, yeah, he was the DOE, the Secretary of Energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah for that's Trump. What that's what I thought. I didn't think you were making stuff out of thin air. And, I, and I, if I remember right, that was the literal argument that people made. Was that he's not qualified because? No, well, then I'm not. Uh, then I'm not as, I'm not as unique as I thought I was. Sorry, <laughs> I'm not as much of a special boy as I thought I was. It's fine. <laughs> You're special in your own way. Oh well, thank you. But um. um um, I feel like there's one more thing you're going to hit on. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Oh, we, this wasn't even, what we just went over wasn't even like supposed to be a main topic. We just spent like 20 minutes on it. But that's cool. Standard. That happens. <laughs> <laughs> but the one, the one thing that we wanted to get to before, before we head out, just because it's kind of, uh, there was a lot of controversy on it. It went into kind of the secular uh, um, society. You know, there were some, some people in the secular world, for lack of a better word, criticizing it as well as. Um, some of the squishy big Eva guys were criticizing it too. And that is Tom Buck's tweet. See if I have his. Yeah, here we go. Oh, absolutely. Tom Buck's tweet in which he said, I can't imagine any truly God-fearing Israelite. And it kind of relates to what we're talking about because uh, women rulers and whatnot. (laughs) Um, uh, He says, I can't imagine any truly God-fearing Israelite who would have wanted their daughters to view Jezebel as an inspirational role model because she was a woman in power. Um, And obviously this this is true. This was a well-loved tweet. Yes. This is well-loved by everyone. 
Yes. <laughs> and then he does clarify after a while, after some people lost their minds. He says, to be clear, if Trump had been the first white man to hold office of president, I wouldn't have wanted my sons to look up to him as a role model. Certainly not because of the color of his skin. And that's that's pretty obvious. Um, but there was some backlash that he got. Um, I know somebody in like religion news or something like that wrote something. Or no, it was Baptist news. Some guy wrote a piece in Baptist news that wasn't wasn't very nice to Tom Buck. And well, um, congrats, Tom! You made it all the way to Baptist yeah. News. Uh, <laughs> has less readers than I have Twitter followers. Probably. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. <laughs> but then, uh, uh, Danny Aiken had to chime in, and, and this was an especially effeminate, effeminate tweet, in my opinion. But he says, uh, disappointing and uncalled for. Of course, he doesn't name Tom Buck by name. He just He's retweeting somebody else mentioning Tom Buck, but not actually using his name. In fact, they're sharing the, the religion news article. So it was religion news, not Baptist news. Um, but anyway, so he, somebody just shares the article and says, this is what happened, right? And he says, disappointing and uncalled for. I do not agree with president or vice president on many issues, but I will pray for them and ask God to work in and through them for his great glory. And, uh, well, what, like I said, what, what annoys me the most about this is not even that, that he's like criticizing someone. Cause if he had an actual argument here, like if he was like, I think the person who said this or Tom Buck or whoever, right. Was wrong for X, Y, Z reasons. Like here goes why the Jezebel comparison, even though some people would say he's not technically comparing her to Jezebel, I would disagree. That was that was still kind of his intent. I think that was his intent to compare. <laughs> but yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I'm I don't fine know with it. I think it's a good comparison. Argument. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But but even even if it was a bad argument, like it, and he could demonstrate it, I'd be like, okay. Or even if he even if it was a good argument and he just tried to demonstrate it because he had a different point of view, I'd be like, okay, you know. But my issue is that his entire criticism is disappointing and uncalled for. It's just this like vague effeminate and, and somebody asked me on, on facebook why i say this is well, effeminate. well for, first of all mm-hmm. disappointing according to who disappointing according to danny aiken yeah i guess so well, I, I i mean it's the only okay and yeah sin was it sinful was it wrong exactly you know can, can we can we have a criticism that means something here okay I, it maybe it hurt your feelings because you're a squish sorry Mm-hmm. what's the point of posting a criticism that's not a criticism but anyway sorry facebook yeah and, and the reality is is that the, he doesn't have a problem danny Aiken actually doesn't have a problem he probably doesn't actually disagree with the comparison he disagrees with the comparison being said out loud is really what it is yep. he disagrees with the pub with the public statement of it um 100 percent yeah, which is yes. why he won't give an argument against it because he doesn't have one because he knows it's actually a fairly legitimate comparison, especially in the context that Buck was making it, which Tom Buck was saying. If we go back, he was saying, um, I can't imagine any truly God-fearing Israelite who would have wanted their daughters to view Jezebel as an inspirational role model. So he's saying that they wouldn't have told their children to look up to a degenerate, but people are telling their children to look up to Kamala Harris, who we know is a degenerate. Yeah. And, and this is, it, it's important to not overstate the case. And I get it. There's, there's more stuff that 
people have criticized and, you know, kind of gotten into the Willie Brown stuff and kind of how she got her initial jobs and whatnot. And there's some stuff to criticize there and that's fine, mm-hmm. but it's important not to overstate um, the fact that this person is fully supportive of forcing you and I to pay for other people to slaughter their infants, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so the idea that ostensibly Christians who are ostensibly evangelicals, the idea that they're celebrating this as some major milestone for their kids, exactly like you said, based purely off either genitalia or skin color or both, you know, um, not dude, not only is that an apt comparison by Tom Buck, but that's a disgusting thing that people are doing. Yeah. Yeah. And you see this done with, um, you know, like Stacey Abrams too. You had Lecrae do the same thing back what year or so ago, whenever Stacey Abrams was running, I think whenever she lost the Georgia election, Oh, um, she lost the Georgia election. Well, she definitely won, but uh, no, I don't know. I've been hearing she won for like three years and there was voter <laughs> fraud and Twitter didn't do the thing where it says this claim is disputed. So it must yeah, be true. Exactly. Exactly. But good times. That's all I got for today. You got anything else? No, man. Appreciate it. Uh, good stuff as always. Yeah, we got, we got all the important things covered here. So uh, outro for me, dude. Yeah. Again, Dave, you can find me on Twitter at agent of polemics. You can find me on gab at agent of polemics. Um, you can find me on parlor nowhere. Uh, cause it doesn't exist exist. You can find me in China with uh, my ID that they have. Thanks to parlor. And that's about it. All right, man. Yeah. So, so Asian of polemics, uh, find David Asian of polemics, find me at Matt Travis media or, uh, Matt Travis blog on gab. I need to change them all. We do way too much name talk on this show, but, uh, <laughs> but also, also you can find us at libertytalks.net slash trolls. Um, if you go to libertytalks.net slash subscribe, or you just go to libertytalks.net and click, uh, click the join button. You can also sign up for a free subscription, um, right now. And, uh, that'll get you the newsletters and whatnot. Um, mainly I don't, I don't write a lot on them, which mainly just share our videos and stuff. So you'll be notified whenever it comes. Um, and I'm, Getting us on Gab TV pretty soon here. Okay. Because um, I don't I don't trust the YouTubes. So Yeah, I don't blame you on the YouTubes. Yeah. That's uh yep. that's that's next to go coming shortly, I imagine. Yeah. You know what's interesting to, to throw in one more random topic at the end that has nothing to do with anything we just talked about. Um, is it that people share opinions that 50% of the country agrees with are not allowed on social media at all. <laughs> is that, is that what you find interesting? That's, that's, uh, that's, that's part of it. But, um, but uh, what was that? Now I can't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> all these super controversial opinions, like, like men aren't women, you know? <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I derailed you. And now, uh, now we forgot. So no, cool. no, we're good. It, it wasn't that important anyway. I'm sure. It was, it was, uh, what were we talking about before that? We were talking about yeah, Gab, YouTube, TV, not trusting YouTube, being banned off YouTube. Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember what it was. So, so what I find interesting is how you can get banned on a bunch of these platforms, but it seems like all the audio platforms just don't care. Even like Apple yep. and Google, they don't ban anybody off the audio platforms. Like a yeah, good example really is Gavin McGinnis banned everywhere, basically. Sure. 
but you can find them on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can find them on all these. The only person who I think has been banned on any audio platforms is Trump. <laughs> well, sure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Interesting. Dude, it's so, it's so absurd. It's so absurd. But it makes me wonder. I wonder, you know what it, you know what I think it is? It's kind of like, uh, you know how uh, conser- uh, conser- see, I even call it conservative talk radio. But you know how talk radio is like almost exclusively conservative? Yeah, sure. I think there's something about how the brain works that liberals can't like sit and listen to something yeah, that's not like entertainment pictures. based. Yeah, I agree with you that leftists need pictures for sure. Yeah, they need, they need anything. pictures. <laughs> you know, they need pictures. Unless it's like uh, some, you know, some degenerate podcast or some kind of like fictional thing or something. Yeah, exactly. And they'll be all right. <laughs> they need pictures. <laughs> all right. Enough of this. Matt Travis, Dave, peace out. See you next week.